coming up on episode 78 of attention plus with arnabri arnab talks about us and indian response to the covid virus and some commentary on the us healthcare system also from the talking stuff network on whatsapp geeks we discuss the latest tech news and and introduce you to 3d printing and also have some neat tips on working from home and on the latest episode of binge on raj and i recommend some adult movies so leave the kids in uh, their rooms for this one and uh, this episode is also sponsored by the galaxy trilogy by ithel the series follows three astronauts on their voyage to find a planet with water they return to earth and finally their attempt to undo some unintended events so we'll have a link to the books on the show notes or uh, look for beyond the milky way by ithel to get started we thank the publishers for all their support to the talking stuff network and now with freshly washed hands i welcome your host arnabre here now hi what did you say about adult movies before uh, we, we have a th- okay that's a i have a funny story to every okay. episode on uh, on uh, uh, binge on we have a theme okay so sometimes it's documentaries or it's horror or you know something so last episode our uh, theme was adult movies okay now uh, and you, you you know uh, as you know recently we've started putting the podcast also on youtube it's at youtube.com/talkingstuffpodcast so even uh, we've uh, had a lot of appreciation for attention plus also on uh, in there now uh, the funny thing is there's a spike in listeners for this particular episode because it's titled binjon adult movies so youtube kind of <laughs> youtube gives you a little bit of analysis because it's run by uh, google so you go it and you see that it shows you the search terms which have led to the this <laughs> podcast being suggested let me just say that uh, <laughs> it's, it's quite uh, interesting to see so what were the, so what were the adult movies you discussed uh, actually not really uh, uh, let me just say mostly that mo- people would be uh, disappointed with if if they <laughs> mm-hmm. knew what they were looking for uh, raj had uh, let me just check Ra- raj had uh, one called uh, antichrist uh, then uh, let me i should i should have why is it an adult movie oh it's in fact unrated and it's it's got uh, yeah apparently it's uh, yeah she said it's certainly adult Have you seen that movie? Okay. I have not. No, I haven't seen it. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious just to, you know, because this is not a genre, or genre. Sorry. So I. No, it's not a. Because the, even the movies are. Uh, no, we we don't typically pick just genres. So uh, uh, Raj picks for Antichrist and Beasts of No Nation. Mine was the Babysitter and Logan. So none of them follow a theme. Just that all of them are, are you know, are rated. good thing man that i was not part of this show because i i wouldn't have i wouldn't have put logan in an adult movie i, I it is our task if you if you ask me what an adult movie is you know <laughs> i would have said basic instinct late consequence anything directed by zalman king uh, for, uh again people who grew up in 90s right know that name and people who didn't grow up in 90s will be like who is zalman king But, <laughs> oh I, i know salman king of course yes of uh, course he's uh, he's he, he's he's a mixture of salman khan and stephen king um, <laughs> no, he, he he makes a special kind of movies to have billy zane in a lot of them the guy who played the yes in the in titanic and who and played phantom. phantom who was phantom yes. and who and who was imhotep in uh, in mummy yes in mummy <laughs> yes he was he was he was pretty much a thing 
in 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 the 90s so no i wouldn't have i wouldn't have and i was going to start on like gloom and doom but this this adult movies <laughs> just uh, it kind of derailed off yes real me it's like it's like navika kumar at this point of time asking uh, saif ali khan to bring out uh, how, how awesome was that though <laughs> yes. so 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 this gives goes to show that the that the world is going to hell in a hand basket but but ye in ye log sudhrenge i also wanted to tell you that uh, you know last night i finally saw parasite it's it's there on prime video so today i'm planning to listening to uh, to listen to our old episode where you had discussed it so even for a listeners uh, parasite is now on prime video i'm not sure if it's everywhere but in india at least it is so okay. do watch it so coming to what i was going to discuss again there's very little that occupies my mind space more than covid-19 perhaps because i'm i'm truly afraid of of contacting it and and winding up dead i i don't mean this in jokingly i actually am scared um so it is right now i'm i'm in los angeles which is uh one of the emerging hot spots i mean obviously nothing close to what's going on in 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 new york city and and the tri state area but it's also true and this is and this is perhaps shocking i i today i read it i was shocked to know that uh, that california which is i mean think of it it is it is the state which has facebook google everybody tesla all all the big companies you, you name it they they're headquartered here and they pay state tax and it's a place with very high state tax so you would expect that this would kind of provide you a quote unquote scandinavian experience somehow that um it it, it costs me almost uh, $500 every year to register one of my cars here it used to be 80 something in every Illinois. year every year one car my audi a4 um i i had to pay f- something close to 500 dollars for that 480 something i just paid it a few few days ago so it's fresh in my mind every year um my the other car that i have is a hyundai elantra that is just cheaper it's but it's still like uh, 100 something 170 or some, something on, on on that on that scale so and it was a flat 80 something if i'm not wrong in illinois okay for both the for each of the cars and so this is a place which robs you blind in terms of what you have to pay for you have to pay for every goddamn thing in the state and i mean again you're free to leave the state the reason why so many people stay in the state is because it provides you apparently supposedly provides you a good life and that's in times like this which which brings me to the what i was trying to say that california ranks out of 46 out of 50 states in terms of the total number of people tested and california is the most populous state in in the us so this just goes to show the total laparvahi of uh california administration gavin newsom the governor uh, principally being responsible for it so you would think that you know paying high taxes would would at least get you tested for covid-19 but they they're just not testing and the numbers that you get and this is why i'm so panicked is that it's not even a drop in the ocean of the number of people who actually have the disease um and while it is true that you know there's 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 that this this place is in a, this has been in a state of lockdown it is also true that california was one of the states that 
actually took the lead in putting lockdown, which I will give uh, I'll give kudos to Gavin Newsom for. But the numbers that you get in terms of infected in 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 Los Angeles and in California in general are grossly underreported. On the other hand, if you in some states like Washington, for instance, has done an exceptional job in and and they have done it because they that is the state which is tested the most after New York City, after New York. So Washington initially had a huge outbreak and it could have well gone out of hand. It was basically concentrated in one elderly care nursing home. That is where you know a lot of people caught it, and of course they're a very susceptible population, but. Uh, Jay Inslee, who's the governor, who actually ran for president, he didn't get any votes. I think he dropped out, but he 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 actually has done a great job, and he's done a great job by testing. There's the only way that you can control this is you have to aggressively test everybody. It is not because right now what happens is the numbers that you get um, are essentially people who have gone to hospital and who are already in a state that they have to be admitted. That is why if you look at the numbers, you will find that people with positive outcomes and people who have died are sometimes going 50-50, sometimes going um, 80-20, people who have had favorable outcomes to people who have died. And 20% is not, the, is not the mortality rate of COVID. That is not true. So you would, you would realize it will possibly, once we tally, it will possibly come out to something close to one. 2% perhaps, which is still like 200 times more than the seasonal flu, but it's not 10%. So what you have right now is a gross, gross, and I think the situation is absolutely the same for India, but at least even in the US, because the states in the US are kind of like separate countries because of the, because of the aggressive federalism of the United States, is that California is, I, I, I sit in, in a tinderbox where I think that this is, again, there's no scientific basis for me thinking this, but I think we, are, we kind of, there are, it's, again, there's this one thing and, and that I pointed out on Twitter when Sadanand Dhume said there are many more people in India who are infected, it's not being underreported. Yes, and that may be true, but the fact is that ultimately, even though the number of people who are in, so let's consider two things. Number of people infected may be huge, but the number of people who are infected and have really gotten it hard, that you cannot hide. That with those people will gravitate, they will go to the hospitals. So in India, the fact that the hospitals haven't been overrun yet is proof that that hasn't happened. That there may be a lot of people with COVID-19, and that is true, but they are mostly asymptomatic or they have a very mild manifestation of the disease, none of which even is worth considering going to a hospital. In general, Indians, we don't go to the hospital unless it's like we believe we are going to die. So, you know, I don't think that the crisis in India is at that stage, but that doesn't mean it cannot develop. Of course, every country and because India is not as connected as the US is, for instance, or as Europe is, that it is trailing. Um, it is trailing and it will go up by that. But we are not there yet. And, and my hope is that India has actually taken has taken action far earlier in the in this in the quantum in the continuum of the disease than America has. So I think while that will obviously there will always be 
there's also there's going to be a spike there's going to be people who will die but i think that that decision was despite the other things that have happened was was a good decision and taken at the exact right time so um the first topic that i mean you know it's just my mind is a hodgepodge right now and there, there's really no coherent thing that you can say at this point of time because there's so much fear if you look at the numbers if you look at the models there is there's no getting around the fact that you know hundreds of thousands if not to the level of millions are going to die there is there's no getting around that fact and you know what do you do so it's 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 terrifying it's terrifying for um, and, and 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 the speed at which this is propagating again none of this is unpredicted and now that we are talking it was a shock perhaps last week or week before now 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 at least it's not shocking now at least it's moving along predicted paths but what is what what has been intensely disappointing for me as as a resident of california and again with california much of california life is disappointing from earthquakes and forest fires but at least those things you know come with the territory you would have thought that uh that given the amount of tax money that they take from us that they would be at least better than 46 out of 50 when it comes to testing given that there are so many we, this is los angeles which is the second most populous city in the us and also an extremely connected hub uh, that there would be much much more but there isn't anyway so today the the, the big deal was that earlier in the morning trump who's 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 almost he was almost like a train which has gone off the rails at this point of time and that was obviously inevitable he's 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 intellectually incapable he's intellectually incapable and temperamentally also not up to the job of doing something like this at this point of time i mean he's never done anything of any seriousness before and this would and something like this would would stress even the greatest leaders of the world even you know even somebody who's much more competent like obama would be stretched and there's and to be honest there are many things which he himself cannot do but you know temperamentally the way he comes across the what he says so today he started off by saying something which was again i just like trump it was uh it was an absolutely ridiculous thing to say he said in the morning that he is going to enforce a lockdown of the tri-state area which is new york new jersey and pennsylvania uh, and connecticut as in pennsylvania is also included in the tri-state area um and basically what he, and, and and of course trump because in, in one way the good thing about trump is that he's very transparent he 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 he's not he's he's so stupid that he cannot even lie very well um because even in even during the even during the <coughs> whole ukraine affair he basically said yeah yeah sure i said I, i i said what i said but it was a perfect call uh so he, he never really denies the fact that he, he he said that you know he openly says it a part of it is because he is stupid and a part of it is because he knows that his his fans don't care he's like salman khan that you know he this nobody's driving the car you know there are people will who will believe that nobody was driving the car just like that trump knows that there will be people who just don't care what he says as long as it's outrageous enough so today he said that he's going to enforce a you know basically a wuhan style lockdown around the tri state area now i for personally think this is a great idea because that is exactly what you need to do when you have uh, you know a place like new york the tri state area which where the numbers this it's true that they're testing very aggressively so their numbers are actually close to reality while other places don't have numbers close to reality but whatever it is there are like 30000 cases there 
So you have to isolate that portion of the, and, and that's exactly what the Chinese did. Otherwise, uh, Beijing and Shanghai would have been overrun. So this place has to be has to be cordoned off. There is no way. There's no way around it. You need to have. Of course, you allow you allow mail and you allow food supplies and you allow supplies. You allow goods to go in and go out. You don't restrict commerce. But what you're going to should restrict are people fleeing New York at this point of time. Now, Trump in the morning he was going out when the, the reporters assailed him and he said, "I'm going to enforce a Wuhan-style lockdown." And he immediately said what the reason was because all of them are going to Florida. Because Florida, he has real estate in Florida, and he lives in Florida, and Mar-a-Lago is in Florida. So that's that's his that's his primary concern. So he says this ridiculous thing, ridiculous thing in the sense that the president actually can't do it. He cannot order a lockdown in in the in the U.S. given given the laws. He just cannot. It's a state decision. But he just went ahead and said it because it was an impulsive thing because his mind was fixated on the facts. He must have heard. Like fifteen minutes ago, that people are going to Florida. It's like exactly the way I would think if I had real estate in Florida. So no, we let's block everybody from going to Florida. But he just goes ahead and says it. You know, he's the president, of course. So then this becomes a fight between him and 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 Andrew Cuomo, who's the governor of New York. And he said, of course, you cannot do that. This is like declaring war on on a state. Where if if, if you do that, you're basically saying I'm cutting you out from the rest of the country, and you cannot do this. But you know, I don't think Andrew Cuomo gets it. Whatever the motive, I mean, obviously Trump doesn't. Obviously, Trump doesn't give a flying f for anything. Um, that's why he's talking about opening the country for Easter. But at least his love for Florida and the fact that he stays there let him take the most, say the most obvious thing that it's time that the tri-state area was actually physically, militarily cordoned off from the rest of the country. And just not doesn't hold true for that state. Every place. Which has an an outbreak as severe needs to be cordoned off because people are going to leave that place. They're going to leave that place and they're going to carry it everywhere else. Um, and U.S. is like fifty different countries, and so there is no way the U.S. is going to be able, like large countries like the U.S. This is this is almost trivial in a place like Hong Kong or Singapore, which is a small which is a small place. But the U.S. isn't like this. If U.S. allows people to move unimpeded from one hotspot to another, you essentially have a fully connected graph at that point of time. Just think of a fully connected graph, and then you will and count the number of edges in a fully connected graph. And now you realize the kind of disease pathways that are created as a result of this. This is uncontrollable at that point of time. And for me. A, a virus or a pandemic of this sort cannot be contained at the time of at this time of crisis while you're thinking about things like state rights, individual freedoms, and data privacy. You just cannot do this. I mean, there are, and I and we talked about this in the previous podcast that at some point of time when the world was a terribly hostile place, um, people put away their Put away their individual rights and banded together to form tribes where they accepted random, uh, random rules and they accepted the rule of one, the king, even though the king was was no better than they were, uh, but they accepted it. They accepted the fact that the king's son would rule and the king's son and son would rule. They accepted all these random 
rules because they felt that it gave them a better chance of surviving. And obviously, as as advancements have happened in public health and we won't fight it that much anymore, people have suddenly stopped understanding why those arbitrary things were in place. Now they say, wait, kagaz nahi dikhayenge. They have come to that state. But this is the this is the time when you were kind of you know going back into that primitive state where you know, the nature is where nature is essentially killing you and there's nothing you can do about it so this is the time when again if if the us had done now some people will say and there's some writing on the web now that this is a false choice that it's not a choice between uh, between uh, individual freedoms and and you know death through covid it's that's not the choice you can do both and they use the uh, you know example of germany perhaps use the example of south korea but that's true if everything worked perfectly it's not that it was inevitable um if the us had done aggressively done testing at its borders if it had stopped flights all flights not just flights from china and it made no sense why would you stop direct flights from china the guy can go to europe and come to you the us so how, what i mean what does that even stop other than you know other than trump basically getting into a dick measuring contest with china which actually he lost because now he talked to the chinese premier and after that he doesn't call it a, the china virus anymore so the 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 thing with trump is uh, i mean if the us had been had been well administered if they had done testing they had stopped the flights they had done aggressive contact tracing then maybe we could have had both maybe we could have had individual liberties we could have had uh, we wouldn't need to see the military on the streets blocking the highways we perhaps would have done we, we perhaps would have been able to do it but the fact is that ship sailed and it's not just the us many countries you know they they they, they screwed up because to an extent this is this is on the scale of something that nobody could have prepared for if the us were to have mounted an efficient response they needed an exceptional leader at the at the helm and obviously trump isn't it so i don't think a lot of people would have been i mean very few leaders would have been able to take the right decision and trump obviously is is intellectually and morally not fit to hold the chairmanship of a local mohalla committee forget the forget the person who's the most powerful person in the world so obviously this was bound to happen but that is why you have a strong state that is why your individual liberties have to be sometimes uh sometimes subject to the and and this is this is strange that what i am saying is is essentially marxism so if you if you if if you look at what marxism says marxism says that the most important thing is nature and after that comes the group then comes the individual so the rights of the individual need to be subjugated to the rights of the group i mean that was really the essence of marxism uh and there was a there was there was a point which rabindranath tagore made about marxism which was that he said that marxism works in very primitive cultures it works in a place where there's a lot of shit going on and at that point of time something like marxism makes sense but the moment that shit goes away and you're in a peaceful state marxism no longer makes any sense because then the individual will think of their individual rights and they will not buy that that the group that the 
and 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 their sense of the problem, which was again, this is not what Rabindranath Tagore pointed out, but their sense is that what is good good for the group is often a decision which is taken by a few people. Um, it was the Communist Party um, in in India. It is it it's been the Congress Party when we've kind of had a Marxist-like government. Um, so it is not as if uh, what is right for the group, there is one good answer. It is a decision which is often taken by people who are actually trying to maximize their own individual gains. They, 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 it was good for me, so it must be good for the group. That is exactly what happens, which is why communism fails everywhere. It is perhaps not that the philosophy, perhaps in its, in its pristine perfectness is okay. But the fact is that it, it it's its downfall is inherent in its very in in, in the philosophy itself that, that 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 what is good for the group is ultimately a decision taken by one individual or a few individuals and they can never represent the aggregate what is best for the group they will think what is best for themselves because that's just the way human beings are. So the point is that Marxists. You know, China, for instance, will do better. And it has done amazing if you look at it. If you look at the amount of people they have, and if you look at the amount of people they have, that, that you know, started in their country, but they have controlled it, and now their economy is booming. Because it's no other reason other than the fact that they have communism, that they can, you know, screw your individual liberty. They, I, I had a conversation with uh, I had a conversation with a, a friend of mine who's who's who, who travels extensively to China and he's is is Chinese and he said that you know unlike in the U.S. in China we, we have a card which basically links our national identity to our purchases and everything and of course something like this wouldn't fly in the U.S. it obviously won't fly in India where people even you know protest against Aadhaar but. That is what they have. So this is the government can totally track where we are going, what we are buying. And while obviously this is the, this is a tool of an authoritarian state, when you have, when you have something like this, like if, if you, if the government tracks that somebody in Wuhan has gone to Beijing and is, you know, moving about and buying stuff everywhere, the government will immediately send cops after that guy. What is that guy doing? How did he even get to Beijing? So they can, they can actually follow people. And right now, you know, during a contagion, you know, everybody is not a person. We are, we are basically receptacles of viruses. So <laughs> everybody is effectively a ticking time bomb for those of us who are infected. So, you know, with the government, this is, this is, this is the time when you need the government to have surveillance on you because you're not being served. I mean, technically it's not you who's being, who's under surveillance. It's the bomb inside you, which can go and then infect you know, gazillion number of other people. So this is, a, you know, kind of segue into the main section, you know, why can't the U.S. do it? You know, there's this, even when, when I was growing up, people used to think that the U.S. healthcare system is, is very good. And you would think so. I mean, Sonia Gandhi comes to the U.S. Um, to do her, whatever it is that she comes to the U.S. to do. Vajpayee came to do his, I think, orthopedic surgery in the U.S. I forgot. Yeah, knee, but knee surgery. Knee surgery. So, you know, politicians, irrespective of their political affiliation, they come to the U.S. Uh, for their health care. And many people who, and when the counter to many criticisms of U.S. healthcare is the look, we have the best, you know, people come, this is the best health care that you can get in the world. You know, Arab sheikhs come, uh, you know, to, 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 to Mayo Clinic, uh, which is somewhere in Ohio, and that place is like super developed just because there's just all these Arab sheikhs coming there to get their treatment. They only come there 
because the fact is that that's that's indeed true the us has a very thin sliver of super expensive and super amazing healthcare but that is but that is out of reach for most people in the country uh when when you have the texas governor and all these guys saying i'm prepared to die for the economy the reason is that guy is so filthy rich that he will he he has a concierge uh he has a concierge i don't know how to pronounce it concierge i think uh yeah, medical right. service which is basically what happens is that we go to normal doctors they go and we pay we go to and they take our insurance and you know that's how we choose doctors these guys these doctors they they, they are not available to the public uh these doctors are you you yourself negotiate with the doctors that i will pay you a retainer like 5000 bucks a month okay just for the privilege of being seen by you and then of course you will charge me per procedure but they pay retainers to doctors so any of you see larry david i don't know if any of you see larry david uh curb you and you'll find you'll find you'll find something strange that he goes to the doctor and then he calls the doctor to his house the doctor comes to his house has dinner comes to his parties and you think why if you're in the us you wonder why why can't i call my doctor like this because you <laughs> can't because he's using that kind of a service where the doctor is essentially your friend and you pay him a retainer just for the privilege of calling up and calling him up whenever you want and asking him questions for for these people of course the healthcare is amazing i mean all of these guys got tested um weeks ago because all of these practices they they were following uh, this and they got test kits i mean that is why they get paid 5000 bucks a month just this is just a retainer fee for this privilege that they will you know get them the right into the right places they are basically the facilitators for health they they that they're dalals really now most people in this country they cannot afford this so what happens is they have to and i can give you my own personal experience my first experience my first major experience with the i've had two like terrible experiences with the us healthcare system both one was when i had my appendicitis and one was in 2008 this was when the bombay uh, when the that 2611 was going on um i had a uh, I, i had a shot for uh, pneumonia and uh, influenza together and depending on who you ask the doctors actually gave it in the wrong place so m- my right arm basically started swelling and it became red and i um so what happened was it became red and i st- my fever started rising uh we called my primary care physician and he was actually a nice guy i mean he's the guy who's, who 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 i I'll come to it later, but he's and he said, "Don't worry, fever is perfectly fine. You know, if you get a, if uh, le- let me know if his uh, fever goes above hundred and two. So this was some around evening. My wife says, "Let's go to the emergency room." My fever was the thing with the fever was it wasn't going down; it was staying there. So it was hundred one or something. She said, "Let's go to the ER." because my hand was so was swelling and it was red and i said no no doctor said 102 i didn't want to go to the er let's go we'll go and 102 at around 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock my temperature reached 102 she calls my doctor and you know what he says he said oh, take him to the er so this is the advice that he was waiting for to get, tell me so then at 10 o'clock we go to the er and 
I am seen like in that. This is this is Maryland. This is right on the outskirts of Washington D.C. So it's not like some rural hospital. I go there at ten o'clock, and uh, the heat stops working. This is end of November in Washington D.C. It's like biting cold. My wife and I were much younger than this. Is two thousand eight. Um, I was sitting there, and I was seen at around five o'clock in the morning, sitting there. uh in like a crowd of people this was nothing special that day there was nothing special it was not no emergency nothing happened just a crowd of people there it wasn't that i wasn't being seen then at uh at 4 or 5 i was finally seen seen as in i was taken inside um and then at 6 uh, or so this doctor comes and tells my wife look um me too i was there in the bed you know they think that they gave the injection in the wrong place and that is the problem so it's hit a muscle and it has reacted there it shouldn't have been given there so i told him can you write that down now i wasn't intending to sue my doctor i like my doctor but i still wanted him to write that down the moment he i insisted that he write it down he he, he immediately said no 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 and he kind of withdrew and he refused to write it down because then he would then of course i could you know sue the guy for malpractice which again i was not going to do at all but i still wanted him to write it down and then he tells my wife that um my wife says he says this we can't admit him because you know there's nothing we can do for him at this point of time we don't know what's going on his care at your home will be any will be no better than his his care here um the only advice i would give him and he's saying this to my wife is don't look at his fever and by that time i was 104 don't look at his fever fever is going to go up and and they sent me home with at that point of time they used to prescribe these things they used to send me home with oxycodone i don't know if you know what vikram what oxycodone is but yeah that's <laughs> part of the, the the older epidemic right when yes so oxycodone is the actual thing which this opioid epidemic is caused by caused by oxycodone so oxycodone was is basically a painkiller so it was oxycodone on one side and tylenol on the other and for the first so i i took oxycodone um and god damn it i've never felt so good after taking no wonder it's so addictive okay so you took took it and at that point of time i wasn't taking my fever but my fever was not going down it was like full my face was red and i could just feel heat radiating from my body but the great thing about oxycodone was you didn't even feel it even though you were that sick you just felt pleasantly happy and if you closed your eyes you could fall asleep even with that fever there was no fever dreams nothing you woke up you were instantly instantly like lucid and then you closed your eyes and you were asleep again it was an amazing feeling Uh, being an oxycodone and i realized there was something wrong because when i once i recovered i felt bad that i no longer could have this tablet again so i thought why why is that the case i've never felt such attachment to medicine before uh, so anyway so what happened at the end was i came home no that was it there was no follow up nothing um i was in that like fever state for two days and then i woke up I remember I was asleep when one of my oxycodone sleeps, and my heart was beating like I had been running. 
and I was drenched in sweat. My entire this was end November. Okay, I was like drenched in sweat. The entire bed was drenched in sweat, and my fever was gone. And it never came back. It was ninety eight. It was just gone like that. But the fact is, at that point of time, like with me, these guys just let me go home because they said we don't have anything to do for you here in this hospital. The second time, which was again, this was in 2012. This is 2008, 2012. I had my appendicitis. I went there, and that time I also went around, I think, six or seven in the evening. And I was seen somewhere at two o'clock or three o'clock at night, where I had an appendicitis, sitting there. Again, it was not an ex- oh, that day exceptional. The thing only was that they had installed a new computer system, apparently. that what they told me this is why we are having problems i have no idea why in this day and age that would happen in a so supposedly cutting edge hospital but that's that is the state of the us healthcare system so the us i i dread having to deal with the emergency room uh you know that whole ecosystem ever and there, there's a reason for that the, the one of the reasons for that was that in the us those who do not have health insurance they go to emergency rooms which are the most expensive places to get healthcare and they do that because physicians normal physicians even for normal things like a cold they will go to an emergency room and that they crowd the emergency rooms up um they do that because emergency rooms are the only place where you cannot be refused treatment a doctor can refuse to see you i mean you will not get an appointment unless you have an insurance or they they otherwise convince that you can pay them but but emergency rooms and hospitals have no right to refuse anyone because they don't have money in the us that's a right so what happens is people just get, go there they don't pay them back and this is one of the this is one of the major complaints of the hospitals that they that they send collection agencies blah, blah, but they just don't get paid back and after some time those costs get either written off by the hospital or the state gives them some grants to uh, you know to kind of lessen the blow of that so this is i mean apart from the, and one of the reasons given for obamacare was that they that they wanted to get this thing out that this the massive number of uninsured people are essentially creating this huge pressure on emergency rooms this was this was the official reason given at that point of time so again this was this is not a startling insight that you'll be getting from me this was fairly well known now i don't think the problem was solved after that i think that there was the the only thing that obama care actually did was that it just shot up the price of insurance and the premiums of insurance and the the reason again for that was that obama care uh, it 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 forced people to take things that they didn't need like right now you had whenever you took an insurance you had to have things like you know substance abuse protection and all you know stuff that you know i i wouldn't want to pay for it i'm not going to get to need counseling for substance abuse but they just put everything in 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 these plans you had to carry them you had to cover them um so what happened was that again healthcare costs that's another issue you know healthcare costs went up and everything but the reason why the us healthcare system is so terrible is because essentially everything is private there are no government hospitals so there is nothing that the state runs except the veterans affairs except the va system which is ex- exclusively for military for the for the armed forces and retirees so that is the state run even then it's not run great because there's always subject to cuts but there is no nationalized any kind of forget insurance but there's no nas- there's no 
sarkari hospital here at all every hospital is private and while everybody says that this is a capitalist country this is the way it's run this is not the way you can deal with a pandemic because if if you run anything with a profit motive you will only buy things that you need right you will not stop up stock up on the outside chance that there will be a pandemic you will have one or two ventilators nobody has that hundreds and thousands of ventilators lying about because there is no demand there is no conceivable reason why you would have that if you're running a company for profit then why would you buy that it also doesn't make sense in the us that reply to that has always been we have the fema for that fema is an agency which is supposed to which is an arm of the federal government which is supposed to keep this you know stocks in place for emergencies of different things but as people have learned over the years that fema is effectively a joke uh, in in katrina they did nothing they have they're a very well funded part of the government which does nothing effectively so what right now we are again seeing we are again seeing something like that that uh you know this country is in massive need for personal protective equipment for doctors doctors are falling sick and they're dying which even if you don't much care for doctors you would immediately realize what the problem is because there'd be nobody to treat you when you get sick you can at least manufacture a ventilator you can't manufacture a doctor so they, because why aren't there more personal protective equipment because no hospital stocks up on them because there is no need to because that's a cost nobody has contingency plans in place for any again you can say that you can never have a contingency plan in place for something like a pandemic and that's true but the fact is that there is no contingency plan in place for anything so you are really running uh, you know a hospital on the very bare minimum and and especially nowadays with the kind of data analytics that people have they do they do only that that which is needed in order to sustain a hospital and maximize their profits because of the amount of data available they can do that they don't they don't buy things just because they have a gut feeling they need so many so these are very very tightly controlled purchasing when they purchase these are so almost down to a science except the problem with that is there is no underlying crisis model that drives that purchasing decision and that's exactly what you see today that supposedly in the most powerful country in the world which is dispute i strongly dispute it's not true china is the most powerful country in the world now so that also the us likes to tell it's the leader of the free world blah blah what okay maybe china is not the leader of china is not a free world but china is definitely the leader of the world if it's not china if you want to restrict china out of it then i would say it's germany the us is which is bizarre that germany always wanted to be the leader of the world and now they are by default the leader of the world by not fighting any wars um they never really got understood that thing they always throughout history tried to fight wars got defeated and then lost their leadership in the world but right now there's a problem with the us is that you know when you have a hospital system and of course the insurance system in the hospitals if you ask the hospitals they'll say that the reason why things are so pathetic in the hospitals is because of the health insurance because the insurance companies basically uh, negotiate you know very very strict deals with them that you know you cannot charge more for this procedure you cannot charge this much so they say we are under in immense pressure from these insurance companies who will then turn around and say but we are doing it for our, you we want to make sure that the hospitals don't overcharge you so you know we are the good guys and in a way they are so 
you know, it's 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 kind kind of a circle jerk. You know, it ultimately comes back to the consumer. They'll say, no, you are the person who was not being paid, who's not paying for the excess capacity. You. So this is why you need, and this is why exactly healthcare cannot be, and this is something which I have said multiple times: is healthcare cannot be run like any other company. You don't get healthcare is not a free market thing. Healthcare cannot be taken care of by the free market. First of all, when you go and avail of healthcare, if I have COVID tomorrow, I'm not going to be able to exercise my choice about which hospital I go to, which test I get, what medication I get, whether it will be from in-network or out-of-network. I will just say, save my life. So there is no notion of a choice of the consumer. The consumer has no information. The consumer has no choice. In such cases, you cannot then say this is market forces. This is absolutely not market forces. So this is the place where the government, this is one of the few places where the government has to control the hospitals. They need to have a VA-like system. Again, the VA might not be perfect, but there needs to be critical stockpiles. I'm not saying that there that any government could have had 30,000 ventilators just lying around, but they should definitely have had more ventilators lying around than they currently have. And of course, many people are saying, why is this guy talking about uh, US when will we come to India? Well, the thing about India is that there will be people who are habitual critics of Modi and they will say it's all terrible. But other than that, I think I still think India has taken very good prompt action at a time which was, I think, India was lucky in the case in the sense that they were on the trailing edge of countries which were getting hit by, so they could look at other places. And sometimes it's very difficult to have the political will to have a shutdown if nobody else has shut down. If you suddenly, uh, before anybody else shut down, then people will, nobody will listen to you say, what is the problem? But he did it after places in the US did it, after other European countries did it. So there was obviously, you know, we should do it. So that thing was always there. But India was lucky in that. But of course, there was terrible planning. You know, there was the, what we see on the streets of migrant laborers. It ultimately should have been that there are two, two choices in this case. Either you basically make all the chief ministers commit to spending money on keeping the migrant laborers there, providing them providing them shelter, making sure that they, are, that they have a daily sustenance of meals because there's you know, in LA, they talk about the homeless problem. In India, we don't even talk about the homeless problem because we kind of accept that there will be people who are homeless. So, you know, how do you, besides the fact that they're outside and not socially isolated, either you could have had the government enforce that all chief ministers have to make sure that migrant laborers in their states don't, aren't supported by the state. In this case, that would possibly never have happened. Because there will be, you know, because of politics and because some states would say, we just have a whole lot of too many migrant laborers, which Delhi would have definitely have said. And that's exactly, you know, people are holding Modi responsible for it. But the guy who's responsible for it is Kejriwal for what's going on in Delhi. I mean, he's, he ultimately, in a, in quote unquote, in a federal system, he's responsible. He's not responsible for the police. We get it. He's definitely responsible for some of the stuff that's going on now. Of course, since I blame Trump here, I also have to blame Modi for because ultimately for the country, the buck stops with the federal government. No matter how the rights are, it ultimately everybody looks over here. They look to the president. They don't look to Gavin Newsom. Most people here in California don't even know who Gavin Newsom is. 
but just like that and people know who kejriwal is but people look at modi so it's it's his responsibility to either make sure that the states are coordinated in their response or that you phase in with the risks with the resultant health risks that you phase in this lockdown that you don't have a 100% full lockdown on day 1 where you basically stop buses and you stop trains you can't do that you have to let 5 days in which you give people the time to go back home you have if necessary you have military convoys transporting people so that they can get home quickly and say okay look you have 24 hours in which you go home in 5 days the country is locking down here is the facilities which will be provided to you to go home in any part of the country and after that we will do this they could have done that now yes they would you would have still delayed the lockdown by 5 days so this is a risk but what is the alternative the alternative are the scenes that we are seeing in india where you have thousands of people waiting for buses with absolutely no social isolation we have people walking on the streets for you know kind of a death march kind of a thing you know they're walking from delhi to madhya pradesh to get home because there's 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 nothing there's nothing that they can afford that can take them home and uh, when people are asking me this there's no work you know they, at least at home they have something they have a place where they can you know stay inside and it's better that they go home in a more isolated place um where they can because of the nature of the disease than if they stay in on the streets in in a place like delhi or in calcutta or in bombay so the, the 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 modi had two things that he could have done either he could have coordinated with the with the chief ministers and made them kind of sign their names in blood and say no you're going to inf- you're going to do this like like for instance uh the 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 shiv sena government in maharashtra is doing they're saying okay we will take care of the migrant laborers we're not you know we're asked we will do but but he didn't have a commitment on that from the chief ministers given that he didn't then he should have gone for plan b and he chose to do neither which is which is disappointing um so again for modi that has been the failing uh, it, it, it's it was a great idea to put a lockdown it was a great idea to do a total lockdown which the us hasn't done but at least what the us has done is they have they they're phasing it out even in california when the lockdown happened and it's not a total lockdown here either people can go for groceries public transport they have cut down public transport a lot because again public transport here is not controlled by the government it's controlled by private capital so many places for instance since nobody is going on the trains they've stopped the trains but at least there is something running at least there is they they've kind of phased out Uh, the, this thing even in like they took some time to close my daughter's school but they kept on preparing people that look this is going to happen we're going to not do this thing they and again in retrospect you can say well if they had not done this if they had just put a total lockdown 3 weeks before maybe some more lives would have been saved and this is the curse of being a leader there is no good solution whatever i just said modi should have done would also have brought in its wake a number of lives which would have been lost that this is unfortunately the times we live in there is there is no good solution in which people don't lose lives and that's why you know uneasy is the head that wears the crown there there is there is no good solution in in this case but the fact is right now with respect to migrant laborers and we, we see that there is no attempt there's been no decision taken either way which is problematic i would have been fine if it taken decision one way in a way you can say he has he has put absolute lockdown but the fact is what we are seeing on the roads isn't serving isn't serving the objective of the lockdown
it just isn't serving the object of the lockdown because people first of all they are in extremely close contact with each other and secondly is they're moving this is the point of a lockdown they cannot move because i, I because if based on the numbers and even under, even giving in understanding that not everybody has been tested the fact is india it's still under control but control means that it has to be restricted to the metros the moment this goes into the rural backlands which is what possibly is going to happen then you have where the healthcare system doesn't really exist now you have a huge problem so that you'll be watching india we'll see how this thing goes again i don't i still feel that overall the decision by modi was a good one again lack of planning it's been a hallmark of some of the decisions that this government has taken this is not the first time um uh, and with respect to the us with respect to where i am it's just taking a day as it comes um i as i said last time i'm i've never been so afraid of <laughs> i mean <laughs> again we, we we grew up in a place where we kind of expect to live from one day to another okay our our uh, our worries are different it's like tax season or ye karna hai wo karna hai ghar mein this food is run out of to go to the grocery so we we kind of we kind of have a different sphere of things which bother us till we come into a kind of times when it's like an existential threat I mean, we didn't grow up in a war zone we, first world problems first world problems we never grew up in a war zone we didn't grow up in syria we were not like waiting for a rocket to come and hit our homes we never lived like this you know hunkered down in a place scared to go out not knowing what's going to happen losing losing this amount of trust in a in a government i mean every people are mistrustful of the government everybody thinks their government sucks but right now you realize that it sucks even more that when you need the government the most and most of us who are privileged enough we don't normally need the government like for decades you know we pay taxes because we know that okay we pay taxes because we don't really need the government so let the government help other people who need it uh, we pay it because you know this is our debt to society this is you know the cost of living in a civilized society but then on the day that you really think that the government has to do something for me because my life is threatened my family's life is threatened the government basically washes its hands away and says hey baba you do whatever you want and that's exactly what's going on in california right now if this if they are the 46 out of 50 states in testing they're basically saying you guys can you know you guys can die we don't give it we don't we'll just close things that's a good thing about california unless unlike donald trump who's saying he wants to open the country by easter they're saying we'll keep this place closed till june that's fine what leave that up to us we will keep it closed but if you fall sick it's up to you that is that so that that state of existential dread i have never felt before so um, but you know i i i again i wish i could close off with something like positive or something fun like adult movies or taimur khan or you know something which is which is uplifting i, I don't think taimur is uplifting but it's you know something better <laughs> but uh, but i <laughs> unfortunately i cannot i cannot in these times and i just and i was watching these movies uh, just watching lord of the rings with my daughter and i just the only thing i could think was man there was a time in which we didn't have to think of dying 
there was a time in which people could actually go out and watch a freaking movie there was the, the gentle joys of being able to i hope that at least if if i come out alive at the other end of this and there will be another end there will be other end of this of course is that i hope that and of course i'll forget after this but you know just the just the very small privileges that we have of being able to go out for a coffee or to watch a movie you know we don't take those things for granted and only these times you kind of kind of you know realize what a big privilege they are being able to move from one place to another to be able to go and visit somebody's house to not be in a state that my goodness that door knob i touched did i touch my mouth after that am i dead to kind of not have to think of these things to not have to continuously think of your own mortality that itself is a privilege and while we, i've never felt that that was a privilege not to think of dying every second but right now i think once i get to the other end if i do then i'll definitely at least for a few months feel thankful that i am alive and that's the only positive i can come out of it that for all of you who will get out of this please feel thankful because it can be taken away in a second whatever the things that you think are your birthright that's it i guess i don't have anything more to say for today coincidentally even uh, i was watching a lot of the rings uh, with my daughter we finished two today we are supposed to watch uh, return of the king and we were watching the uncut version so each one is like 4 hours she yeah. couldn't sit through all of them in one sitting understandably so it's like i think we had four sittings or five sittings for the first two parts you know uh, yeah i think that's our podcast for today and uh, i would also like to take this moment to appeal to everyone to support the less fortunate during this difficult times and uh, there are several genuine organizations that are supporting daily wage earners uh so you know and others who are most affected i don't want to you know endorse any particular one right now i personally there was one from zomato which i had uh, tweeted out uh, i'll retweet it but please do consider con- contributing there and most importantly remember to pay your domestic help for the month it uh, don't be a jerk and withhold that pay and uh, until next time stay home stay safe